Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Bill. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker. Uh, Alex is sleeping in. It's past his bedtime. If he signs on later while we're recording, then I guess we can shift this to a cliffhanger episode. But until he does, this is a knock at the cabin episode. So if you're interested in M. Night Shyamalan's least memorable movie, you found the podcast. He's going to join this call here as a mid-sentence and go back to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the cough is back. Sorry. No. Oh, 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 no, yeah, I gotta. Yeah. I didn't see it. I don't want it spoiled. Good night. Right, yeah. Well, before we get to it, or whatever we're gonna do, Parker, do we have any news? I'm just upset that he's not here because, as our resident Star Wars fan, I would love to hear him his response to them announcing three more Star Wars movies, in addition to the half dozen that have been announced and are some apparently in some form of development, but none of which have a release date or even a script at this point i want to know if he's excited for the future of star wars on the big screen yeah because i'm not yeah aren't they gonna bring back the obi-wan kenobi show or something which no one liked don't put that on me (laughs) you know speaking of bringing back things that no one wants there's this side of the political spectrum we call it the right and they seem to think that corporations like to appeal to the woke demographic i i don't know how much of that i believe like someone like the bud light and whatever that was where it's doing the stuff with like dylan mulvaney that's stuff in the culture war right now that i couldn't possibly care about but and a lot of people say oh they're doing this because they're pandering they're trying to get people to you know consume their product just because they're you know appealing to this demographic i and I don't know that it's as widespread, and I, I don't think it is because HBO Max, I guess, or whoever, I guess the Warner Brothers, they're trying to release, like, complete series for each of the Harry Potter books. Like, I don't know if they've been reading, you know, the tea leaves here, but no one likes J.K. Rowling right now because of the transphobia thing. And they're just going to make more stuff based on her. And uh, I understand why they would do it. It makes sense because that is probably going to make a lot of money. And a lot of people are probably going to watch it. Not me. But uh, I I don't think that uh, the conservatives could really go for the whole, like, oh, corporations are going woke when they're, you know, making a whole series that's going to make uh, J.K. Rowling perhaps the world's first trillionaire. Yeah, unfortunately, Alex, he wanted to be here, but he's busy uh, dumping out bottle after bottle after bottle of Bud Light. (laughs) Woke libtards have taken over his favorite brand of beer. Well, now he's more of a butterbeer guy. He goes to Hogsmeade. Alright, that's that's a little much. He signs on a fancy from the server. (laughs) 
the woke leftists by spending a thousand dollars at Rite Aid on Bud Light and then dumping it out and then burning my LeBron jersey. And then posting like, I'm going to drink this beer instead, which is owned by the same company. Oh, damn. He's a Coors Light man now. Oh, he showed us. Who could possibly... Why are you drinking Bud Light in the first place? Exactly. Like, bro, you're in your mid-40s. Grow up. Yeah. Well, in other news, I did not visit my dad this week. I used the the cancerous excuse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dad, I'd love to hear about this, but uh, I'm having a (laughs) flare-up. It's funny because I was telling my doctors he was doing this. Uh, For everyone who's listening, I had skin cancer and I I went to surgery. Humble brag. And uh, yeah, I'm officially a cancer survivor. It actually seems pretty easy. Uh, I don't know. uh, What was worse, um, the cancer or the list? list it's not even close <laughs> Dude, genuinely it was the list yeah the, the list had funny games on there twice anyway uh <laughs> I, I i i was telling him I was, he's like oh where are you from i'm like well i i was born in Rhode island i grew up in poolsville maryland he's like oh i ride my bike there and i was like oh sorry and it's like oh do you ever go back there? i'm like yeah actually uh every tuesday i go there check up on my dad make sure he hasn't killed anyone do trivia and uh he was like oh hey uh, you gonna do that tonight i'm like no, I'm gonna use this as an excuse, and I did. I'm recovering, so uh, I, I basically I just can't turn my head. So I have to genuinely like turn my shoulders every single time I look left and right, just like Michael Keaton first Batman movie. All right, you move like an action figure now. Yeah. You anyway, have two points of articulation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, Hero of the Week is actually uh, my doctor's because uh, two reasons. One, they took me late. Uh, my appointment was at 10.45, and I thought it was at 11.45. Uh, and they called me as soon as I was getting in my car, and they're like, what are you getting here? And I was like, I thought it was. I, I will be there shortly. And they were so nice to take me. And most importantly, real reasons they're Heroes of the Week. Everyone in that office thinks I'm very funny. They they all said I should do stand-up comedy. They're like, do you ever do stand-up? And I'm like, no, but I have a podcast. <laughs> and uh, I'm really hoping they don't listen. <laughs> yes, I hate to be the one to bring this to you, but they're very nice to all people who come in there with cancer. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Oh my is god, like... you're such a brave, funny boy. You should, <laughs> you should devote, like... The rest of your long fulfilling life <laughs> doing stand up comedy. Actually, that's the thing that gets me is I was the youngest patient they had by about fifty five years. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, kind of young to be getting skin cancer. So if this podcast doesn't last yeah. seven years from now, <laughs> you know what happened yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Sad, I'm one of the youngest cancer patients he's ever treated. Yeah, I'm kind of a prodigy in that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else there had a walker except for me. I'm like, guys, this is the, I'm just dribbling around these chemo patients. Oh my god, did you see him? That's the Bobby Fisher of skin cancer. <laughs> I know, I'm also impressed that I know that name. I'm fucking using that shit, dude. <laughs> did you see, wasn't there a Bobby Fisher movie? He was a chess guy, right? Not the golf guy? Yeah. Thank you. No, um, you're also the Bagger Vance. Or <laughs> the Bagger Vance. <laughs> uh, I'm the Jack Nicholas of uh, <laughs> shitty jokes on podcasts. Uh, uh, to any of them listening, thank you for the download. Please stop listening. 
I beg of you for his yeah. sake, please don't listen to it. I, I even fucking spurred out on them at one point there. I was like, yeah, next episode is a Cliffhanger with John Lithgow. And, uh, and they were like, oh, I remember uh, Cliffhanger. Wasn't that uh, 1987 or something like that? I mean, it was like it was 1993. Actually, it debuted at Can fucking that year. research. <laughs> That's impossible. Like, they were fucking, like, suturing me up. It was like, so. Number 669 on the list was one of the worst. <laughs> I'm going to embrace this detour. Because imagine being at the Cannes Film Festival and be like, is that Sylvester Stallone? Is, is that the Die Hard 2 guy? What is it? Who left them? <laughs> no. And then they stand up and boo for 45 minutes. My, uh, I, I, have a, I have a jerk of the week, but I'll get to him later for something I watched. Uh, uh, Parker, go ahead. You got a jerk of the week? Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Uh, just say Orange Man for now. I kind of forgot. I'll I was about later. to say, yeah, it does sound like his Cheeto Man this week. Also, I had uh, I had pulled up his Easter tweet, and then I <laughs> closed the tab, and I simply cannot be bothered to go back to it. <sighs> I don't have the energy to yell that all caps <laughs> tweet about his haters and losers. I watched, uh, it's, it's not often that I say I watched a Woody Allen movie that I liked, but one finally came across the radar. Uh, and the, you, you may ask, you're like, Chris, why would you watch a Woody Allen movie? I have a good reason for this, this time. I, uh, I, I've only seen three Woody Allen movies before this. I saw Annie Hall because that's on like, you know, a million different lists. It's like, I think it didn't it win the Academy Award over Star Wars in 77. I think it did. I could be wrong, but I think it did. And uh, I actually did not like Annie Hall, except for the Christopher Walken scene, which was hysterical. I watched Manhattan, which came out two years later, and I, I thought it was just bad. And I saw Crimes and Misdemeanors, which, um, if you were to title that Woody Allen's Crimes and Misdemeanors, you get like a different sort of a spin on oh, it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen a single one. Good for me. Really? Somehow. Huh. You would think with that many movies, I would just fall backwards into one accidentally. Yeah. He. Wait. He, look at these. No, I wouldn't. What the fuck yeah, am I uh, talking? About? <laughs> that's the thing. Is like I can't recommend Annie Hall. Ex just look at like the Christopher Walken scene online. It won't have the same effect because the rest of the movie is so different from that scene. Like, do you, are you familiar with the Christopher Walken scene in Annie Hall? I mean, I could be, but... Annie Hall, Annie Hall is just basically, like, the most nebbish man in the world trying to get with Diane Keaton, and I guess he does. And he meets her brother, played by fully adult Christopher Walken, who... And it, I mean, besides this scene, it is a romantic comedy, and they're... It's just Christopher Walken, again, full adult, just sitting alone in a room, and... Uh, Woody Allen well, says, Hi, my name is Woody Allen. Who, who are you? And uh, it's... As soon as he says, hello, it, like, you know you're in, like, a different movie. And he talks about sometimes when I ride my bike, I feel the sudden urge to swerve into oncoming traffic. Do you ever get this urge? <laughs> it's, it is a completely different, like, tone from the rest of the movie. Such to the point that it, they actually parodied this in an episode of Pinky and the Brain on Animaniacs. And like, they, they did like a Winnie the Pooh thing. Instead of Christopher Robin, they did Christopher Walken. And they did that scene. It was really funny. Uh, it's important that I mention that because that scene was written by Woody Allen. Woody Allen 
had comedy chops. I am not bullshitting anyone on this. There is actually a video you can look up, and this is going to sound unbelievable, but I swear to God it's true. Woody Allen, and of all people, William F. Buckley Jr., the guy who made National Review, who's like super far right, right? Yeah, super far right, right? Woody Allen, super far left. They obviously don't agree on anything. This this fucking video was like made in the 60s. I didn't know they had YouTube back then. But it's just them doing like, not even like a debate, like a mock debate. And they're very, very, both of them are really funny on there. And I was like, how in the hell is Woody Allen funny? <laughs> you know? Anyway, uh, he made a movie. He made like a bunch of movies. At some point, he was considered like the guy. He was considered like the the heir to the, the great comedian. I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, Groucho Marx, of all people, who was my favorite comedian, called Woody Allen uh, the next great comedian, which shows that uh, he was really just looking for the next Jewish comedian, I guess. And uh, I think it's fair to say that Woody Allen was the most Jewish man who ever lived. Yeah, that's fair. Besides that's Adam Friedman. also a very but, like, delicate way to put it. I mean, look at it. Anyway, so <laughs> he, made, <laughs> he made a movie in 1973. The, I mean, the fact that when you say Woody Allen, I'm like, oh yeah, Kyle's bro- cousin. <laughs> <South Park. laughs> right. He really does look and sound like that. <laughs> I'm big! What are these desks made of? (laughs) I'm sorry, that's one of the fucking funniest lines. (laughs) A show that I've watched a thousand times, one of like the top five things I think about is just a... (laughs) As soon as he shows up at the bus stop, a car was like, hey guys! What's that thing? <laughs> Cartman, Cartman, I will give you... fighting for his life to not yell slurs at the Cartman, I will give you $20. If you... Which back then, you know, $20 was like a, a million dollars to like a kid. I'll give you $20 if you don't make fun of my cousin. And the kid's like, I can't eat, I can't eat chocolate. And Cartman's like, this is going to be tough. <laughs> the five-minute sequence where you just hear... <laughs> grunting... <laughs> fighting those demons i fucking love kyle's brother kyle anyway um (laughs) so the reason i yeah the the reason i i watch this movie is because i think i mentioned to you guys i'm trying to watch more science fiction movies there's a couple lists of science fiction movies and one of the ones on there is a 1973 movie called sleeper the basic idea of sleeper is uh park have you ever seen futurama oh yes absolutely okay that's sleeper except instead of fry it's woody allen Oh, Jesus, now, <laughs> I'd rather die. <laughs> you know, honestly, uh, I, I'm not saying you would like this. And I, in fact, I don't think you will because it came out in 1973 and it looks like it. But this is Woody Allen at, I think, far better than he was in Annie Hall and Manhattan and Crimes and Mysteries and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He, there are so many mo- moments of the movie where he just riffs and... It's a shotgun approach to comedy, which I usually tend to appreciate because, yeah, you're going to get some misfires in there, but every once in a while, you're going to nail something. And this is a really good skewering of science fiction before Star Wars came out. That's tough to do because before Star Wars came out, most people didn't care about science fiction. And science fiction, which I love, I, I love science fiction, science fiction needs people to make fun of it even before, like, the popular stuff. So it's kind of making fun of, like, not just... Uh, you know, like Logan's Run shit, but like the pulp novels, which I love reading, I really do, but it's it's kind of making fun of that stuff. Like the stupid, he 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 has to like pretend he's a robot in a certain scene, 
and it's like making fun of the stupid way that they look and everything, and it it actually works out. The jokes are, for the most part, like fifty one percent of the time, pretty fucking funny. I'm not saying this gets a recommendation, but I did have a good time with it. So, that's that's that. Uh, I, talk- I hope Woody Allen goes to a fucking suicide booth. Oh yeah, parody satire. By the way, one of the uh, I think I put this on uh, Letterbox, but I was like, yeah, this is Woody Allen at his most Chaplin esque. Edit. I looked up the Wikipedia articles for both. This is Woody Allen at his second most Chaplin esque. <laughs> I'm big. <laughs> Sorry, it's still funny. <laughs> what are these deaths made of? <laughs> I'm never going to be able to write anything that funny. That, that fucking breaks my heart. <laughs> it's like, it's the funniest thing to I've squeeze ever it and share the same chair as he's just wheezing. <laughs> I really... Oh, man. Oh, I fucking love it. I should rewatch it. Anyway, um... The next movie I watched is, uh, I, time for a bit of an honest thing. I lean further to the right than Parker and Alex do. That's true. But I'm not a complete asshole. Uh, I am in favor of trans rights. And uh, such to that point, I watched a documentary about trans people back before people were using the word uh, transsexual with regular parlance. This is a documentary called Paris is Burning. And Paris is... Have you heard of uh, Paris is Burning, Parker? Uh, let me see. That's one of those titles where, you know... It's not French, as it turns out. I was shocked. I, I, like, I made sure I had, like, subtitles for it. It turns out I didn't need them. It's, it's all in English. No, this is, in fact, not what I thought it was. Yeah, Paris is Burning is about a community of uh, not just drag queens in New York City, but you know, honest to God, transsexuals. And they I think they only use the word transsexual one time in the entire documentary. And, you know, you know, contrary to popular belief, I understand basically the idea some of the conservatives are making about, you know, you know trans athletes and women's sports and stuff like that. That's not what these people are trying to do. These people are trying to live their lives. Uh, I don't like the... the the, the term live your truth that sounds idiotic that sounds like megan markle is the moment or something like that but uh but Don't like get me fucking yeah. <laughs> but basically paris is burning is the name of like a a drag show in new york city where they all compete and i think the 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 key operative word here is compete they these people are they go home after their job as normal people so to speak and they're sewing dresses, and they're going over dance moves, and they're choreographing, and they want to win. And I kind of feel like if you got the conservatives on the, like, the, you know, they want to win sort of thing, they'd be like, all right, all right, come on. She's the best. Let's go. And they would use the correct pronouns in everything, you know? I'm not saying you should gamble on it and everything, but, like, we like competition, right? Well, also, some of these people you would gamble on, but the thing is, like, you gotta know, like... It's not just about who's the prettiest bitch here. It's about who's got the most clout in the community. Because some of them big bitches, you know. They are the mothers of the group. And, it's look, I, I'm being a bit overly familiar. I don't know a tremendous amount of trans people. But, like, I support them. These people, they, I mean, marginalize is not just the word. They live a very difficult, they walk a very difficult path in life, you know. And I think this documentary brings up a good point about it. Now, this came out in 1990. All right, we're currently recording this in, hang on, calendar, 2020, 
2023. All right, yeah, so we're recording this in 2023. This should be up by the end of the year. And I feel like the the what we talk about mostly with trans people is the high rate of death for trans people in the country. And it's not just, you know, being murdered by transphobic people. A lot of transphobic people are killing themselves. And they actually bring up the death of someone in here who was killed by... Uh, you know, transphobic people, and it's very, very sad. And the only thing you could possibly think while you're watching this is that is the saddest thing I've ever heard. This is a real person who had a very difficult life, who went through a whole lot, and I, I'm, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if it's you know more trans, whatever more trans rights could possibly mean, but like be more accepting of other people, understand that they occupy a specific niche of society, and. You ought to pay a little bit of uh, moral tribute to that. I suppose it's just how I'd put it. So I, I happen to love Paris is Burning. I think it is a great documentary, especially in the sense of what it is trying to do. So I actually do strongly recommend this. I think everyone should watch Paris is Burning. Now, there are some people who will never be convinced because it's not in their monetary interest to be convinced, like the Matt Walshes of the world. And I don't care. He doesn't listen to the show. I think, but like, well, you know, reach if, out. if you're listening to this and like you're transphobic and stuff, I just want to say Parker's on your side and <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's look, I just, you know, chill out with some of that shit watch Paris is burning. Understand these are people. They, they have the same blood that you do. These, these are good, honest, kind of decent people. Look, I'm very supportive and also I'm so supportive that I want DraftKings to sponsor these shows. I want to be able to parlay the fucking play in NBA playoffs with a drag show. Yeah. I will say that there are a couple moments where I think it's okay to snicker. That's the thing is like here's me on the right hand side of this issue. Trans people, if you want if you want more rides, you gotta understand you gotta take a couple lumps every once in a while. Like, there's a, they go over repeatedly what the definition of voguing is. I don't know if you know, but I did not know going into this. Voguing is when they do a dance battle with no uh, contact allowed, where they're just, like, doing different poses that you would see on the cover of Vogue. And it's the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my life. And you can't watch it without, like, kind of snorting a bit, you know? Like, come on, you guys got to take what every once in a while. And I think, ultimately, most people are like, all right, we know what we are. Let's go. I mean... Like, people can say what they want. I watched one of my uh, co-workers, Vogue, and hit a death drop that I could not, with a thousand attempts and a hundred dollars at stake, could not have landed that drop. It is a talent I will never right, have. I am not limber. a flexible man. <laughs> I am not limber. It's, all, it's not just about hitting. It's about the fluidity of the movements, Christopher. Yeah, there's also like something with the, the eyebrows. The man moves like water. He's like fucking Bruce Lee just hitting it. It was incredible. <laughs> Brought yeah. a tear to my eye. Yeah. My eyebrows are not on fleek, though, so I probably wouldn't do very well. I've never been accused of being on fleek. Yeah. Well, or fuckable. <laughs> All right, what else I want? Okay, so last year, 2022, I maintain, is one of the greatest years in movie history. And not just because of everything everywhere all at once, but like just the totality of bare minimum solid movies... There's been so much good shit last year. And this is another one. This is one that I wanted to see for a while. Your mileage may vary. I loved the movie See How They Run. <coughs> Sorry. See How They Run is something I've been wanting to watch for a while. It's got Saoirse Ronan and Sam Rockwell and a bunch of British people. Oh, it's got, um, who's the guy from The Pianist? Uh, 
Adrian, Adrian, uh, ha, ha, ha. Adrian Brody is in it. Uh, the basic idea is um, uh, Agatha Christie. It's, it's based on an Agatha Christie play, and it's sort of like about that. There's a, a bit of fourth wall breakage in this one. And uh, it is, yeah, it's very much a British comedy. You're going to have to contend with that. But I liked how it worked. It, it, it was very funny to me. Uh, one of my favorite things is... Uh, there's a joke in an MST movie where, uh, I don't remember what it was, but it was like some sheriff, some redneck sheriff squatting in the grass being like, yeah, a killing, a bad one. He stands up, he, he just kind of gestures to like a nearby uh, officer, and the riff is, he did it. <laughs> and they do something very similar in uh, this movie. That was my favorite line, is uh, they're interviewing this one guy who I guess plays the IRL version of... Uh, Who's the guy who did like those nature documentaries? Uh, the British guy who was also in Jurassic Park. Richard, Richard Attenborough. Yeah, Richard Attenborough. Yeah, some guy plays Dicky Attenborough on this. Sorry, I'm not great with names, I guess. Anyway, right. yeah, he uh, they were interviewing him, and some uh, he's like, oh yeah, someone misplaced my thing, and uh, his assistant comes and says, oh, I'm so sorry, it was me. And Saoirse Ronan says, I hereby arrest you for the. They're like, no, 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 she's talking about something else, and that it really got me. It was very funny. Uh, Again, like your mileage may vary. I actually think uh, Alex would like this a little bit more than you would. I, I think he'd kind of watch and just have like, yeah, just find it past the time. How have I never? You didn't probably hear about you this. No, you? you know I'm passionate about a who's done it. This is a good who's done. It. It's not. It's not as good as like Knives Out. You know, not That's many who's done it are as that good. That was as what Knives I said out. about Knives Out. I was like, give me like two or three of these years, like mid budget, like likable people. Yeah, and this is just here and no one told me i saw an ad for this yeah i saw an ad for this at the alamo i didn't see it there i saw an ad for this at the angelica i didn't see it there so that's on me i should have watched it sooner because i I really did want to see this and uh, murder mystery with four or five oh hey i know that person and like a constable with a mustache and everyone's wearing weird hats that's all i want yeah give me this god damn it okay yeah i i do think it's good uh let's see do i watch okay so I was kind of feeling listless during work, and I didn't feel like watching a good movie, so I put on a bunch of episodes of MST, and uh, the ones that are worth mentioning again are Quest of the Delta Knights, that's a good episode, Uh, Pearl goes in the theater there, and more importantly, there's an episode just called The She-Creature, which I think may have been on the list, Uh, and that counts. Uh, The only reason I bring this up is there's a riff that that made me laugh so hard I was like wheezing. Uh there's a shot of a Ferris wheel. They called it Coney Island, California. And the the Ferris wheel is going like half a mile an hour and Mike goes, "Do you want to go faster? Raise <laughs> your hand." <laughs> that fucking killed me. All right. Uh back in real movie territory, I watched Nomadland. Uh, which is my state of mind when I'm online. Uh, Nomadland <laughs> is... Uh... <laughs> that's all you need to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nomadland is... Uh, that's the one that won a whole bunch of awards, uh, except in China, where they got very, very mad. Um, Land? Yeah, they, <laughs> Right, um, yeah. They did not read the title. It doesn't translate to Chinese. Uh, see, my problem is... Uh, this is what happens every year on the Oscars. This is one of those movies where I'm like, Nah, right. I'm yeah. sure I'd enjoy this. Like, it's probably gonna win a lot of stuff. I'm sure all the performances are good. I'm sure 
it's a very emotional story and it'll stay with me. But also, I'm just, just watching another Godzilla movie. Straight up, dude. We're if you busy. were to if you were to watch Nomadland, you'd say that is good, and now I can check it off. And that's about it. That's look. It's it is a genuinely this is a good movie. The basic idea here is uh, it's um, Frances McDormand, who I believe won the Academy Award for this. She uh, she plays a woman who has lost her jobs in the area in which she lives, which I think is in uh, was it Nevada, New Mexico. I think it's New Mexico, and which is actually this is actually based on a true story. Uh, this area of New Mexico is essentially a dead zone. There is, there are no jobs there. Like your best case scenario is to work for Amazon, and even then, like that's not really a livable wage. So she endeavors to live out of her van, uh, which she names Vanguard. Uh, I will say, uh, fantastic performance from Frances McDormand, which will shock nobody. Uh, She's a great actress. I believe she has most... I believe she has the most awards for Best Leading Actress uh, from the Academy, which she uh, usurped Meryl Streep for this one. It's tough to do. Uh, It's it's either her or it's uh, Catherine Hepburn. I don't fucking care. Anyway, um... I understand what the movie's trying to say, because there is a political message here. The basic idea is, you know, people need work. There is dignity in work. And uh, without that, you are just a nomad in a wasteland, which, as friendly and as nice as people try to be, you you feel like you do not have purpose. There was a New York Times article about, like, uh, all these, all these uh, young men who turned to, like, Jordan Peterson and the Proud Boys and stuff like that. These are men without purpose. And I think purpose is very important to live with in your life and this character feels devoid of that it's very very sad and that is the movie the movie is very very sad and this is a movie that you watch precisely one time and if you ever come across like even if it's like a film critic who says yeah i watched it like five times this person is a liar and you should kill them for lying because it's like the uh the schindler's list thing you don't watch this for fun Okay, you watch it once and you say, yes, this is high art, and you're like, catalog that one as having seen it. Uh, it look, it's good. I, I Again, I will never, ever see this another time. So, uh, Easter rolled around, it reared its ugly head. I did not go to Mass because I was tired. Sorry, Mom. Uh, so, for you. I decided instead that I would uh, substitute Mass by watching Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> uh, I I remember I signed this to you, and you, you watched it, and you didn't like it very much at all. Uh, I mean, I appreciate it. It's just not, it's not my thing. Yeah, I get it. I will say, it's like, you know, with the stuff about transphobia, it's like, this movie's pretty gay. <laughs> Alright? This movie is... <laughs> <laughs> all right you know you want like Herod song the worst part of the movie that's the gayest shit i've ever seen on a movie Look, screen <laughs> the worst musical ever put to film is still a thousand times more difficult than anything i've ever done in my life like yeah i'm not an asshole i understand it's yeah it's not for me well enough about I repo never the do anything as complicated as fucking <laughs> repo the genetic right yeah exactly yeah <laughs> the costumes alone that you tell me I have to do some sort of choreography. Addicted to the You will knife? find me hanging from a trailer. Like, <laughs> no goddamn way yeah. on earth. So here's a little thing about uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Maybe this is a personal thing, but, you know. So I edit audio for this podcast once a month. And I, one of the things that I, I really like the soundtrack to Jesus Christ Superstar. I understand you don't like 70s soundtracks. You know, that's, that's totally understandable. 
Okay, it's, it's like a me thing. It's whatever. Uh, so obviously, I have the soundtrack to this movie, right? I I don't even know. I may have even paid money for this. Probably not. And I listen to it all the time. And there's something that's that's just wrong about it. It, it feels like there's something wrong with the mixing. And when I was watching the movie, I was almost brought to tears by how much I liked it. And I think that part of the reason is because the mixing was so much better. And so what I did is I actually went into the movie. And it, on VLC, you could actually like just convert the MKV file to MP3 in, in the app. And it'll just do that. So I did that. And I compared the first song in that movie to the first song on the soundtrack, and it's it's almost completely different. There is the way that the guitar is mixed in the movie is so much better than it is on the soundtrack. So if you want to listen to the soundtrack, and I think you only would if you've seen the movie and liked it, then don't do that. Hit up old Chris, and he'll provide you with like the actual movie soundtrack. It sounds so much better. Like it sounds so much more dramatic in the movie soundtrack. Uh, as far as the movie itself, I. Uh, I have almost nothing but praise for it. I, I like, uh, I love the performances, especially Yvonne Elliman and especially Carl Anderson. Uh, I like the uh, the music, of course, especially the mixing in the movie with the guitar and everything. I like, especially that this is a movie about different perspectives. Like The basic idea is, hey, what if we did a Jesus movie from Judas's perspective, to which apparently Andrew Lloyd Webber thought it was the stupidest idea ever. And then he did it anyway, and it ended up being probably the best thing he's ever done. And it's a movie, especially this movie in particular, which is different from the stage production. This is a movie without a real villain, okay? You can say that, like, oh, well, you know, the the Jewish priests, they were the villains. Not in this movie. You can tell from the physical language they are conflict. They don't want to do this, and they have reasons for doing this. Same as Judas has reasons for betraying Christ, and Peter has reasons for uh, denying him, and Pilate has reasons for sen- for sentencing him to death, and even the Jews themselves have uh, reasons for preferring Barabbas instead. Apparently, he had a really good podcast back then. Look. I, I really like this movie. The one problem, and it's a huge, humongous, cannot be overlooked problem, is Herod's song is so fucking lame. My advice to Norman Jewison: maybe you you could have saved the money you spent on literal tanks and machine guns and put it into the principal from uh, uh, that one guy's. What was that movie? The one with Matthew Broderick. I'm Ferris, sorry, you said Ferris Jewison, Bueller's. and I yeah. clinched so my whole body. Turns out up. he's Presbyterian, so. I, Oops. You would have had a lot of editing to do. Actually, so I looked like, up, You like, talked about Woody Allen for 20 right, minutes, yeah. and you just dropped that name in my lap. Yeah. Let me tell you. I'm back! <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tough one. We're yeah. all doing our best here. Yeah. Actually, so I looked up what Norman Jewison uh, did besides this movie, and... I should have seen why this movie was as good as it was, or at least why I liked it as, as, as much as I did. Norman Jewison did nothing but hits. He did uh, Fiddler on the Roof, which I loved. He did In the Heat of the Night, which is one of the best movies ever made. He did a whole bunch of really, really good shit. So he, this movie was in good hands with him. I reposted on Letterboxd. As I watched it, I was just filled with emotions. I wrote a whole thing on Letterboxd, and then I was like, hey, wait, haven't I done this before? Turns out I had written something for uh, terribleblog.net and I reposted it on there. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh, I wonder if I mentioned how Parker feels about that. And it turns out I did. During the scene in which he's with the uh, the lepers, you're like, yeah, Parker thought these were Jawas. So, 
<laughs> that seems like something I would say. <laughs> Every hey, Chris, so- you ever see Spaceballs? <laughs> Every time you and Alex mention Jawas, I'm always like, is that a Star Wars or a Halo thing? <laughs> anyway. What do you like to know? Yeah, I I might replay Halo. I need a, I need a game. So. You should. I probably should. Oh, I just remembered my jerk of the week because I just oh. reopened my phone. And it was on a Skip Bayless tweet about uh, Lakers and Six over Memphis. And one of the top responses was, Sir, this is a Wendy's. Fuck that guy. I hope he gets hit by a fucking car she, later. People Go still do yourself. that? Holy, was it, was I, it Jeff Tiedrick who invented that? That sounds like a Jeff Tiedrick thing. Jeff Tiedrick, please come on the show. Please come that on man. the show. Hey, say what you want about him. Uh, a man sticks to his guns and posts with the best Oh of my him. god. If, if, we, if we get Jeff Tiedrick, and I, by the way, I think we could. I got a silver tongue. If we get Jeff Tiedrick, we're doing Ghost Can't Do It because Trump is in that movie. Oh my god! And also, we'll that watch movie five sucks minutes dude. of Home Alone too. <laughs> Wait, didn't he make me watch Ghost Can't? Yeah, you're a piece of shit. I'm not watching. I'm that sorry. Again. Never... <laughs> Fuck you. Should we watch the porno that he was in? Because uh, Trump was in some sort of like porno, apparently. I'm gonna say Never no. Mind. He was in something. I remember. And I'm no Jeff, not the P tape. Sorry, you're disinvited from the show. All right. <laughs> So there's a bunch of good. You think, sh- you think that would get old after the eighth time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, there's a bunch of good shit in theaters. Uh, John Wick Four, Air, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, the Mario movie, and I didn't watch any of them. I went to the Alamo. I saw two movies, and neither of them were current releases. I saw The Matrix with uh, lovely lady Alex. She didn't like it. Uh, I loved it. I'm not going to rehash what I said because I probably saw it last year or something. And I watched a movie from 1993 called Carlitos Way. I'm really sad that Alex isn't here for this because it's by one of his favorite directors, Brian De Palma. Uh, this is a borderline episode. It is a good, genuinely, this is a solid, is a good movie, like, whatever. But there's some stuff you could probably make fun of here. Uh, Sean, Pla- Sean Penn wears the most Jewish wig I have ever seen in my life. And uh, he doesn't so do many strays this week. I know. Jewish I base. love. I love Josh. Jewish people. They're good. Yeah. Oh, just Josh, I guess. Yeah. Just the one. <laughs> but no. He's like, the, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Parker, Google Sean Penn in Carlito's way and see if I'm wrong. Please uh, take your time. And uh, it also has. Um, oh my <laughs> right. God. Yeah. How else am I supposed oh, to describe that? <laughs> How else am I supposed to describe that? I feel like <laughs> I didn't go it's far like a enough. Blade Runner test. Like, hey, what does this look like? You? <laughs> I, uh, uh, why wouldn't I help the turtle? <laughs> the the far. <laughs> yeah, it also has Al Pacino, who at one point in the movie says. Yeah, they're not going to help my Puerto Rican ass. I'm like, all right, come on. (laughs) You got away with this once, motherfucker. Exactly. And, you know, anyway, I guess, which, that was also a Brian De Palma movie, Scarface. So I guess he thought, well, there are no good Puerto Rican actors. (laughs) I I can't just. simply exhausted the list. Yeah. Old reliable. Raul Julia is just so busy. (laughs) I can't call him (laughs) up. You know, so they uh, they put him in this one, and look again. Carlitos Way is solid. All right, it is a good mafia movie, or when I I guess the mafia is in it at some point. It's more of a I guess American gangster movie, right? And I I like those movies. I like The Godfather. I like Goodfellas. I like A Bronx Tale, which came out the same year. Carlitos Way feels like it was intended to be a coda to American gangster movies. It feels like this is enough of that. You know, it feels like it was written by a guy who's like sick and tired of these movies because it it feels like it dips into cliche every once in a while. It's a guy who's sick of the life, but he gets sucked 
he gets sucked back in by you know the tantalizing power of it all and then of course like every greek tragedy which i'm going to stop calling uh, mafia movies greek tragedy i'm going to call them american tragedies because this is kind of our thing uh he he dies at the end by a person you didn't expect i'm going to spoil it. it's john leguizamo which uh, <laughs> i actually expected because you know you're going to use him for something i guess uh but it was the same year as the super mario brothers movie so john was busy uh it's good and there are great moments there are spectacular moments that only brian de palma could conceive but uh ultimately i feel it was kind of generic and i can't believe i'm saying this i think i would have preferred the dungeons and dragons movie which again heard good things about not insulting it would rather see that than renfield anyway uh, how do you feel about the fact that the entire genre of uh, american moth mafia movies can be summarized as me sewing haha <laughs> fuck yeah this rules <laughs> me reaping you what the fuck this sucks <laughs> that's true yeah look that's i'm not gonna debate whether that you know the, actually I, okay so I'll, I'll say one that feels like it breaks the mold here a bronx tale do you ever see a bronx tale I did not. Bronx Tale is actually pretty good. Uh, it was based on a one-man show here about a kid who decides not to go into that life, which is a tough decision because growing up with that, I was like, it's a shitload better than what my dad's doing. Uh, it, it is. Oh, yeah, you know who else plays a Puerto Rican in Carlito's Way? Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> oh, it's kind of tough to uh, sell this to modern audiences, I guess. <laughs> and when you're a good director, you really get away with murder, huh? Yeah. I Look, I, I, Carlito's Way is good, but I... Well, speaking of racial insensitivity, I was feeling kind of down, and I was like, what if I put on a movie that I really liked when I was a kid? What if I put on one of my top three most rented movies from John's video? We didn't blockbuster and puzzle. I put on Disney's Peter Pan from 1953. When I say racial insensitivity, <laughs> this is... Yeah, I was, I was leaving a pause like yeah. that. Which, which direction we go in yeah. here? Where are we starting? You know, actually, it's not that bad. Back then, we used, we used to be able to say stuff, and people wouldn't get mad about it. No, no, this is um, this is kind of it's kind of hard to square that circle. When I was a kid, I thought they were kind of cool, but uh, look, the song "What Makes the Red Man Red" is. You know, I, I think this might actually be the worst part about it. Not just, like, the actual, like, talking about the skin color of a minority who, you know, white people came and took their land from them. Uh, it's that all the all the verses are, like, sitcom punchlines. What makes the red man red is, like, oh, he blushed really hard when he saw his sweetheart for the first time. Uh, what made the red man say, ugh, when he saw his mother-in-law? What Did, makes the red man red sounds like a, a song that John Redcorn's band would play. <laughs> it, it really does sound like a fucking Nick Mullen making fun of a Disney movie thing. No, it turns out the Sherman Brothers actually did. I don't know if it was, I think it was the Sherman Brothers, but whatever. Uh, anyway, uh, my jerk of the week is Josh for being funnier than me. And uh, that's not according to the good people at the Skin Cancer Surgery Center in Fairfax. Uh, he, uh, I, I said to him, you ever see Peter Pan? He's like, yeah, when I was a kid. Okay, so. How about this? What makes the red man red, but instead is, what makes my dad's cock hard? Huh? Huh? Yeah, you see that? And he responded without even missing a beat. Like, I could already see his face like his smile didn't even form. It was just like, who gave the red man head? (laughs) So much better than me. I can't compete with this. The way he gets that Cheshire cat grin when he sees the opportunity. (laughs) It's infectious. 
Look, I, the weird thing is, like, I still do kind of like Peter Pan. I, I think it understands fantasy and an adventure in ways that are good for kids, and yet you can't really show it to kids because they'll see that and they'll be like, uh, what's up with that? You know? That being said, when I watched it as a kid, I didn't, like, ask questions. I was just like, yeah, they're Indians. Who cares? Can't say that anymore because the libs <laughs> won't let you. <laughs> anyway. You know why they call the Trail of Tears? Oh, wow, Dad, I gotta go. <laughs> Thank you so much. Because we drank them. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> this I could make a joke that Alex sat down and forced me to watch this, but she had already left my apartment by the time I turned it on. Uh, I watched Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Uh, that's the Steve Odekirk movie where he overdubs uh, an old Shaw Brothers movie. There's... Speaking of a movie, I am terrified to revisit. Well, here's the thing: is like there's a lot of stuff in there that it simply will not appeal to you. Like the CGI fight with a cow, that that humor's gone. Like it's it's just not going to work. Uh, there there's going to be some stuff that will definitely work for you. It doesn't matter how old you get, but that's a lot of nuts. It's always going to be funny. All right, <laughs> every single time that will be funny. There's a lot of stuff there that, that really does work very well. I, I laugh really hard. And there's a lot of really stupid shit in there that, like, I have to admit, I really appreciate this. I, I think it I think it works fairly well. Uh, I, I, again, like, there's going to be some dumb shit in there, but whatever. I, I, I can feel like I can see people making this movie. I can see them working hard on this because they think this joke is funny. And I appreciate that, you know? It's... it's it's not offensive or anything, you know? Uh, I don't know. I, of course, obviously, the chosen one, I'm coming, which is, I don't know why that gets me, but it does. Also, the idea of playing Baby Got Back during a kung fu fight scene, that's also very funny to me. Uh, also, I was impressed. Steve Odekirk in very good shape. Now, less impressed was looking at Steve Odekirk's filmography. Uh, <laughs> Let's hear it. Well... Obviously, Jimmy Neutron, boy genius. I didn't even like that when you I was a what? kid. Uh, I, I don't think I even watched much of the show at that point. I know I saw I the had, movie. I had a younger brother and I sister. I mean, I'm in the same so, boat. Yeah, I'm yeah, so, sister. That was, yeah, that was a sister. That was a get out of the house, get in the AC, because it's right. Yeah, it's, Right, exactly. Uh, he also did uh, Barnyard, which uh, they played that Rednecks song in there, R-E-D-N-E-X. Do you know that band, I Parker? Have not seen. Can't possibly. Yeah, male cows doesn't even make sense. That's fun. I saw that in theaters again. Had a younger sister. So. So first they come for your Bud Light. Right. Exactly. Now, now that we have trans <laughs> cows. Yeah, exactly. What won't they take from us? Right. Yeah. But he also did the thumb movies. So there's that. That's. And he did actually. He did Ace Ventura. Uh, when nature calls, you know the good the movie one. I was going to talk about for forty-five minutes after watching Cliffhanger because <laughs> we will. Yeah. What <laughs> the fuck? My whole life. It's yeah. Exactly. Week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. The look on my face when I realized the scene I had seen a hundred thousand times <laughs> as a kid was a parody of Cliffhanger. Right. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, I looked it up. Cliffhanger made like a tremendous amount of money. Yeah, it made yeah. like two hundred million in yeah. nineteen ninety three dollars. I think that was one of the things for where people an were like, "R-rated action movie directed by Rennie Harlan." Yeah, I think people were oh, just yeah. like, "I want to see the next Sylvester Stallone movie." And that was their. You it's know, me. I'm people. Yeah. Right. Uh, next one I, I watched isn't worth talking about. I found an Akira Kurosawa movie with Toshiro Mifune that I haven't seen called Redbeard. And it's over three hours long. It's in black and white subtitles. That's not important. 
I talked to Gabby's boyfriend, who has never seen Hell Comes to Frogtown. Now, I know what you're thinking. How could you he not have like... seen? <laughs> this is kind of... Guys, uh, if you're standing down, standing up, sit down. If you have a hat, maybe hold on to it. Yeah. He hasn't seen the other Roddy Piper movie. Well, he was, he was talking about how much he liked the original Mario movie. And I was like, oh... Yeah, he was like, I, yeah, it's the best Mad Max ripoff I've ever seen. And I was like, yeah, except for all the other ones. Like, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Hell Comes to Frogtown is a good Mad Max ripoff. It's like, oh, I I haven't seen that yet. And I'm like, well, you should change that. It's it's better than the Mario movie. So is Eating Dirt. And he's like, hey, here's one for you. And he said the title of a movie, which Parker, might as well add this to the Rolodex. The Rollerblade 7. Now, you might be wondering... You have my attention. Yeah, you might be wondering who the Rollerblade 7 stars. And, of course, it stars Joe Estevez. And, of course, it stars Frank Stallone. I just want you to know, I just pulled it up on Letterboxd, and it's already on Alex's want-to-watch list. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and But what you may not have known is he, he can find the Rollerblade 7, but he can't find the sequel. So, what? I assume that the sequels are Come called... Again? I assume the sequels are called The Rollerblade 8 and The Rollerblade 10. The police will be looking everywhere for The Rollerblade 9. <laughs> I never get tired of that. <laughs> Alright, I've talked way too long. Uh, go ahead oh, from you. the director of Frogtown 2. Yeah, Return one. to Frogtown was actually not that good. You don't say? <laughs> yeah, because it has Robert Zadar as Sam Hell. That didn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> what a cool sentence to say. Out yeah, loud. right. Exactly. I sure hope your doctors enjoy this episode. Yeah, they they decide. Yeah, we won't put him under. Then they're just like looking around. It's like, where's the ether? All right. <laughs> he ain't coming back up. No. <laughs> Those sutures are staying there. All right, uh, Parker. What'd you watch? I only watched three things. One of them was supposed to be the episode, and the other was what the episode is now. So uh, <laughs> let's just do that. <laughs> Let's uh, let's tell you all about your experience with Knock the Cat. I'm very excited to get into this episode of uh, Uppies lift Parker up and convince him whether or not he liked this movie because he's been thinking about it for days. Um, basically, we just went to a friend's house and we're scrolling through all the apps as one does. This is streaming on Peacock, I think, and it's like, well, we haven't seen it. It's a new movie that came out this year. Fuck it. I plan on reading the book first. I was in the middle of reading something else. I was going to read this first and then watch it and then talk about it all at once, but I wasn't going to stop the entire group from watching the movie because, oh, I actually haven't finished it yet, so maybe <laughs> next week. So, yeah, uh, we put it on, and uh, judging by uh, your and Alex's very specific complaints, um, I feel like seeing it on a TV definitely helped because... Uh, I mean, the CGI looked like uh, butt cheeks on there, so I can't imagine right, yeah. the <laughs> climactic ending of this movie looking like a fucking, like the Not Today motherfucker video probably didn't help. Yeah, we, <laughs> we were laughing pretty hard at the planes falling out of the sky. I think I called it plane.exe has stopped working. Uh, like, uh, the planes didn't look terrible on the TV, but the very, very last shot where they're driving down to that diner, oh, what yeah. in the world was that rendered on? That was, that's that's that, that was pretty there. bad. You know what? Good on M. Night for self-financing his movies, but also, just take a little bit of money. Just take a little, a little smidge. Just take a little bit cut. 
I agree. Because again, like he's self-funded. Like his last four movies, they all make money. Like fucking good for him. That's so incredibly rare to get like theatrical distribution with you just mortgaging your house and people want to work with you. But goddamn, don't make a movie about the end of the world. Yeah. Oh, by the way, hey Parker, would you like to hear a, an important piece of IMDb trivia about this? Absolutely. At the premiere in some cinemas, oh. at the entrance, the spectators were asked to give up something they cared for the entire duration of the film in exchange for a gift at the end. If you chose yes, then your smartphone was bagged and sealed. By handing over the uh, the still-sealed envelope at the exit, you received a nice prize. The initiative read, Make your choice. You would give up one of the things you care about most for the duration of the film. Prove it. Your sacrifice could be rewarded. So you get like a little certificate that says you gave up your phone when you watch Lock and I've Cat. changed my <laughs> mind. I hate this movie now. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. Hey, kill your husband or daughter. Oh, I couldn't use my cell phone during the movie. <laughs> yeah. Sick. Oh, man. It uh, just annoyed the piss. At- it's fine. It might not have been his idea. It's fine. Yeah. We'll tell I'm you what. separating the art from the artist like you did yeah. with Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> you. I mean, now here's the thing about uh, Knock of the Gam. There's some good stuff in here. So I think what universally people seem to really praise about this movie is the performances. Everyone, especially Dave Batista. How'd you like Dave Batista in this? He is so good in this movie. Yeah, he is really good. He, like for minute one, where this little girl's like just playing out in the fields by herself, you just see this fucking hulk of a human being approaching from the distance you're like oh hang on a second something's wrong here like you're instantly i've seen the trailer i know what this movie is about but i'm still on edge of like no i don't like this one bit right yeah get away from her well well, that's the thing that kind of gets me about this is that is not an easy role to do and this is going to sound almost insulting but it's kind of hard to find a big guy who can act really well like it's not insulting. I think yeah. he would tell you that too. I mean, I mean it's true. Like like what's going cuz even in the book I I didn't read the book, but I assume in the book this guy is supposed to be a, this hulking sort of giant, right? And yeah. uh who's going to be a guy of that size who can act that well cuz you know, I at this point I think Vin Diesel's a little uh, fat and old for that role. I think uh The Rock is just going to act like The Rock. Uh, I like how you say Vin Diesel as if like yeah if he was a little bit younger you could probably pull this off. <laughs> I think you know there is some there is some stuff where I, I was like I was convinced that Vin Diesel was an actual comma good actor, but I think at some Look, point we all like the that. Iron Giant, but this is different. But also perfect. That's oh, a, there's a lot of monologues in this movie. That's that true. Yeah, which just, I know. Yeah, he's not be able to do it. He's also I, I also don't think he's even that big. Is he? Is he like a huge guy? I don't. No one is as big as Dave How Batista. tall is, is monster. Vin Diesel? God, I hope he's 5'8". Oh, he's 5'11 and a half. He's shorter than oh, me. Man. Oh, my God. All right. Oh, oh wait, maybe. Or as, I know, or as I call it, six foot. Yeah. Josh... <laughs> By the way, Josh, that's, that is Vin Diesel that we're talking about, not someone else. Yeah, this yeah. it's actually a younger version of him that's in more shape. But like, exactly. That's what you'll see. About. Yeah, we'll jump back and forth. Yeah, so anyway... <laughs> Anyway, so Dave Bautista was a good choice here because you're not going to get like who's the guy the mountain from uh, Game of Thrones? Like that guy can't really act, you know. You're not going to put. You think he's going to like deliver these monologues? Yeah. Also, you can't get like the Big Show to do it, or like Kane, or the Undertaker. Could you? You want to think about it for a second? Because I kind of do. Yeah, I do. Uh, You want to think about this movie getting made like 30 years ago when it's Andre the Giant? 
You just want to roll around in that for a minute? Yeah, we'd need subtitles, though. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll give you this. Uh, the little girl in there, I think she does a pretty good job. I feel bad for her. Uh, I feel kind of bad for her because the lines that she was given to read were really bad. Especially at the beginning of the movie where she's talking with uh, Dave Batista. There's some sort of line where uh, she she mentions that she has two dads. And she says, yeah, my guidance counselor is really supportive, but sometimes I think she's too supportive in a way that makes me think that uh, I'm not normal. It makes me feel kind of bad. I'm like, all right, um, take the pencil from the paper because yeah. that sounds like shit. I don't know if that was in the that's, novel or whatever, but that's it's really clumsy. That child weird. doesn't know what that is. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, fucking don't. I will say I did not mind the dialogue. I think I just have more of a tolerance for M. Night than either of my lovely That's possible, yeah. It possible. Until the end of the movie. Right, we'll, yeah. We, which, we will get there, yeah, but that whole probably, four yeah. horsemen scene can suck my dick and balls. Yes. Yeah. So, it's fine. So, other good performances. I think both of the uh, the gay guys, they were pretty good. Uh, the little girl, as I mentioned, was good. Both the actresses were pretty good. Another one who's getting a lot of attention here is Rupert Grint. How did you feel about Rupert Grint in this movie? Uh, did not love his uh, strong, tough guy American accent. Yeah, that was that was a bit silly. Also, I forgot he was in it. I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck, I haven't seen this guy in 15 years. Well, that's because he hasn't been doing anything for 15 years. He said after Harry Potter, he said, people ask him, what's your dream job? He's like, driving a fucking ice cream truck. <laughs> and apparently he actually did that. He actually was driving an ice cream truck around. Then he found out, oh, they don't actually pay the bills. So he got back into acting with M. Night Shyamalan. And uh, he's in this. I think his performance was sufficient. I don't think it was a bad performance, but his accent was, you know, it. you could get anyone to do that, you know? Oh, look, Ron Weasley's a gay-bashing trucker? Okay. I, I don't, don't get it, but whatever. I guess that's in the book. Right, we will fucking get to it. Yeah. That's where my problems really start, is when we start trying to tie things together that's like... Uh, no. Well, here's either give me none of this or give the like a half hour more movie because this is yeah, this ain't this ain't working. Now here's one that I think I liked and you didn't like is I really like the camera work in here. I think what I, I mentioned is like yeah, M Night Shyamalan has great camera work in his movies. Big deal that you don't get points for that anymore. Does that make me an asshole for saying it? Yeah, but I am going to take this for granted. I think you didn't like all the close up shots that they had in this movie. Just made me very uncomfortable. I don't his. Batista's head is that's yeah there's a lot of lines in that head and I don't know where they come from if I seen it in a theater like you had I feel like I would have like started sweating like it's yeah there's so much of it yeah it's effective like I get what they're going for I understand it's like the intention it's like how you're not supposed my god yeah it's like how you're not supposed to touch black people's hair you but you want to you want to run (laughs) your fingers through it just to see what the texture is like Keeping Leave that. All of this in. Going to Leave say every word of <laughs> Alex texted me and told me to ask that. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't be there. Still dumping out Bud Lights. Yeah. Talking about their hair. You know who I mean. That's oh the reason he's, he's boycotting this because he didn't like that two gay people adopted a girl from China. <laughs> all right. So uh, I, the reason I like the uh, the shot composition is there's a couple moments. You can kind of see this. There was a couple like Twitter threads about this. And I guess you don't get points for that because if you don't know it's in the movie, then it doesn't really count. But there's certain like shafts of light that create an image where if you notice it and you really pay attention, it creates a sort of image there that's sort of meant to imply that there is another force at work here. And that sort of implies that uh, 
there is a higher power at work here and these people are not deluded and they actually believe what they are saying. I think one of my central problems with this movie is you don't have this movie unless you believe that there is that other higher force at work here. If these people are just deluded, I've seen this movie before, you know? So you need that in order for it to be even mildly interesting. And uh, and yet what we get is not mildly interesting at all. It's very predictable and uh, it's almost a foregone conclusion. I think they mentioned that it's destiny. And destiny is one of the most boring things you can put into any work yeah, keep of fiction. It. Yeah, the thing I think I've been struggling most with it is going back and forth and like, do I want more details or less? Because the middle ground they found does not work for me. Like, I can actively feel myself, even with a nice buzz, everyone's drinking, eating pizza. Even in that state, I can feel like all of these performances are really good for the most part. The premise is good. I feel like I should be liking this more. And the more it goes on, the more I'm like, something is not clicking here. And I feel like I can't decide whether I'd like ambiguity on whether or not this was actually happening or if they were, were just crazy, which isn't, is usually my least favorite take. Right, yeah. But like, I feel like it's more interesting either if we have no idea what's going on or if we get their stuff fleshed out because we get little bits about them and it's like, wait, why did these four random people have this vision? Wait, what do you mean this has happened throughout history? Like, how recent? Did this happen like a month ago? Are you trying to tell me this was what COVID is? Did it happen 500 years ago? Because uh, I feel like a lot of people would struggle with the decision of kill one of your loved ones where the world ends. Like, also, they give these little bitty drops, and you're like, wait, wait, back up. Hang on. Hang on, movie. What? See, that's so the y'all met on a message board? Hang on. Stop. Cut. What? Where do wow, I get the What invite? message board did you meet on to be like, hey, y'all, y'all, you have these words fucked up dreams about your baby burning to death? Like, oh my god, me too. Because, <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing is, like, I always thought that they were going for, like, a QAnon thing there. But, you know, on the subject of COVID, uh, I thought they were going to bring up COVID and be like, suddenly a worldwide pandemic has hit, but you can't do that in, like, a day, you know? The other thing is, like, COVID yeah, that's has... one of my big issues. Yeah, the other thing is, like, COVID's been going on for, like, a while. You know, so it's it's like a, a years-long process. And speaking of someone who just got over it, you know, uh, that is, like, one of the things is, like, they t- turn on the TV. No, no, change the channel. We're not watching Bluey. Uh, and they, like, they put on, like, fucking CNN saying, suddenly the biggest earthquake disaster in history has hit. And you're just like, it takes, you know, a little while to report yeah. this. You have to get That was facts. what I first started feeling, the. Because uh, uh, yeah. oh. that happens like three or four times. Our channel news like, no, give it one second. A deadly virus outbreak, and they're like, even the characters are like, I'm sorry, uh, Daddy Eric and Daddy Andrew are like, uh, yeah, yeah, like this has been going on. It just spiked, but like this has been happening, which you know is interesting. If we're not sure if these people are just fucking crazy, you imagine they're, they turn on the news. Go one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Here's live footage of a gigantic tsunami, which makes me sit there and ask the annoying question of who the fuck sent this in? They all just got wiped up by it. Yeah. Which is an annoying thing to ask, but also, c- come on. Like, how the how the fuck did I get there? Exactly. The movie expects you to take this stuff way too quickly because I think this it takes place over the course of what, two days, maybe? Right? It's, yeah. it's not That's like, also weird. Like, you have to make this decision. 
All right, everyone get some shut eye. We'll talk. Yeah, about exactly. It in a I was like, you know, wait, what? If I had traveled no. that far and I'm like fucking bloodshot, you know, I would be like, you guys gotta hurry up here because I'm gonna bury Ron outside. You guys sleep on it. And decide which of you you're killing. Also, isn't it imply that's like, yeah, I just to show you how serious I am, I'm going to kill myself. I'm just. See, then that's another thing where it's like I feel like more details make it less creepy as to why every time they that's, refuse yeah. the decision, yeah. one of them kills themselves. Yeah, I'm. Sh- I feel like more details takes away from it, but also, what? Yeah, like one of the details is like you don't understand. I have a kid. That's why I'm so passionate about this. Like, we never see one this of these kid. weird things that I get stuck on, where it's like. I don't want more information as to why this happens because telling me about the midichlorians that God showed you aren't going to make this satisfying. But also, I cannot stop thinking about why do you have to kill your... I mean, like, yeah, the plague is happening. Why do you have to kill yourself? Right. You don't have to do this. The planes are falling from the sky. Why, why did you just bury your... Also, let me just... <laughs> if you receive this vision from God, right? Mm-hmm. And you... You take it upon yourselves. You have to go on this crusade. You have to find these people, which, again, they don't know who these people are, which is whatever. And you have to convince them that to save the world, they have to kill each other. There has got to be a better way to like have this conversation than to show up with homemade weapons and break down the door. You're walking in with some shit you like cobbled together, a bunch of like pickaxes and sticks. You're like, all right, guys, you got to listen. Like, Try a softer approach. I'm begging you. <laughs> Maybe carry a gun. Don't walk in looking like you just broke out of a Mad Max prison and cobbled together your only defense. But also, like, it it, it gives me, like, the, the kind of idea here that, like, the world is probably going to end because these people seem kind of incompetent, you know? They, yes. They, they sent the. They, he's not sending his best. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We're not sending our best men to save the. That's world. why he's. That's why the Cheetah Man's a jerk of the week. That's why I keep coming up against because all these little things. I'm like, this doesn't make sense if I think about it for more than a second. I want to know more, but also knowing more is going to be inherently less interesting than wondering like how these people met up, all had the exact same vision, and received visions that this was the only way to save the Earth. Which is my big problem with the ending because it's, it literally that diner scene oh. where they make the decision, they shoot whichever daddy, and they drive to that diner and they're all watching the news like, oh every the planes are okay now and the bad weather stopped, we haven't had any new deaths from this disease in about an hour. Absolutely fuck yourself. You know what it reminded me of? It reminds me of his other R-rated movie. The happening. It's such a fucking tightly like even if with the problems I did have, if it just ends like five minutes after the decision's made and we don't know what happens, it's more interesting. It leaves you something to chew on and think about like, well, was it for did he just die for nothing? Mm-hmm. Is all this just a coincidence? Instead they just put on that fucking song and drive it like, wow. I guess everything's gonna be okay. Oh, we'll get a new daddy. That fucking song. So, uh, like I said, I didn't get to finish the book, but uh, I did my due diligence. And, you read uh, the ending. The ending. Oh, absolutely. Because I'm not gonna come back a week later and be like, "Hey, you want to talk about Knock at the Cabin again?" Yeah. Because the answer is no. Yeah. So, uh, 
I understand why things were changed because uh, audiences would have turned on this very quickly. Right. Yeah. From what I hear. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, in the scuffle with the gun, uh, sweet little Win gets shot and killed, like oh, halfway through. It's tough. And that leads to the whole thing of like, okay, first of all fuck these people second of all if this sacrifice isn't good enough for this god like what kind of god is that that i would want to go out of my way to like is shooting this innocent child not enough just because it was on accident and they decide like no fuck it we're just gonna go hand to hand and we're gonna face whatever's coming together and that's a much more interesting thing bleak as fuck uh, yeah gonna be a lot of unhappy people walking out of that movie but Leaves you a lot of things to chew on about religion. And that actually sounds like a good ending, though. I like that. Yeah, ending. like yeah. just facing whatever's coming ending, together you know. instead of being like, look, I know uh, one guy broke a bottle over your head and it was really fucked up and my parents don't really accept you, but like, we we have to do this. And I'm just being like, no, absolutely not. Fuck these people. Why should, why should we give anything for them? Yeah. And uh, I feel like that's my big issue is... uh. Is the world worth saving is a very difficult question to tackle, and three flashbacks are not enough to tackle it. I, I'm sorry. No, I understand. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because this is probably going to sound wild. It was one of the things I kind of liked about the movie is the is the I don't remember if it was Daddy Bernie or Daddy Andre, but whichever <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, whichever was I think it was the the angry one. You know, it, I think he. He probably is like, even if this is happening, which I don't think it is, do we care about the rest of the world considering what we have gone through? And I thought that was a good point at putting forth the argument of like what gay people have been through because, and uh, again, the right winger on the podcast was like, man, it life has been tough for gay people, man. It really has been really fucking hard. And I can absolutely understand the perspective of someone who looks at the world that needs saving and says, hey, where were you for me? And and decides not to do anything about it. I understand the perspective. Uh, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. But I need, I need also, more. Also, I will like, say that you're oh, right. Ron Weasley, Those... like, gay bashed him once. Yeah. Like, the... Bro, you don't want a world for your adopted daughter? Like, what? Yeah. Isn't that why you adopted a child in the my, first place? My was parents give them a better life? My parents came over and were kind of awkward. You got to do like, yeah. better than that. Oh, I had I to... Don't... I had to pretend to I be don't have straight a gay partner, in China. But I've, I've had I've had plenty of awkward dinners with my family. It's called being a fucking embarrassment. Yeah. <laughs> Grow up. But also, yeah, uh, Thanksgiving's awkward. And they're like, "Wow, are you ever gonna quit that job?" And I just like awkwardly like cut apart my meat four more times and went yeah. to change topics. Doesn't mean I'm gonna let seven billion people die. Yeah, fucking prick. I think what got me is the the first flashback where they go to I don't know. I guess it was China where they went. To, I think it was China where they went to adopt Win, and. Uh, they they have to pretend to be straight. They can't be a couple there because they the orphanage would not let them adopt that girl, right? So that that kind of bothers me because it's like, man, you think you have it tough? Try being gay in in one of those countries that represses gay people. All right, don't even fucking start and with I, me. And as much shit as we give uh, the script of a lot of his movies, the way they just like casually drop like, um, my wife's sick, her brother came, like. And that's all the context you need to fill in all the blanks. That was actually good. That's good. That was really good. That's great. Yeah, that was one of the better moments of the script. It's like, I 
Like, I'm not going to fucking sit here and well, pretend I know what it's like to it, be a fucking I <laughs> persecuted gay man. I'm not going to play that card. But yeah. also, like, those examples are not enough to justify, like, sorry, uh, we're not going to do this. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Well, and it gets to the point where, like, after the second or third giant natural disaster, they're weird, like, connecting dots that aren't there to explain why it isn't real sound crazier than the people saying they have a vision from god yeah that's a good point <laughs> yeah like, oh, so you you knew we couldn't get service in here so you you pre-recorded this and you knew the broadcast is going to play at this time and that's why you're doing it. like what the fuck are you talking planes are falling out of the sky man what are you fucking talking about i will say yeah at some point daddy bernie i'm gonna call him that he does sound like uh he actually sounds more QAnon than they do he sounds like, yeah, you know, you could see he knew exactly what channel to turn to. <laughs> like, I don't think it's that tough, you know? Uh, hey, buddy, I hate to bring it to you. If 100,000 people all suddenly die, you're going to be able to turn it to any channel. Yeah. You know, uh, I you're talking about the writing and the, and the good part of the writing. Because every once in a while, there is a good part of the writing. And in a lot of M. Night Shyamalan's movies, as embarrassing as the writing often is, there are some really good moments of writing. I... Like, I really like the writing in Unbreakable, for example. And I think the writing in uh, The Sixth Sense is pretty solid. But then you get the writing in Lady in the Water and Devil, The Happen, and Signs. and stuff. You know, there's there's some bad stuff in there. Also, Last Airbender. But, like, the writing in this movie, yeah, the, the scene in uh, The Orphanage, that was pretty tight. I don't think we mentioned this yet. And, Parker, you said we'll get to it. We gotta get to it. The four Let's horsemen. Get to the four horsemen. When he just realizes, like, ah, this is why we were chosen. Because our love is so pure. And they're like the four horsemen. And he gives an example for each one. It's like, buddy, not only do I not know these four characters, one of them had a flashback. The other three were like, hey, I, here's a picture. I, I coach second grade. Ah, I have a son. <laughs> she's like yeah i don't believe her until they find the picture at the end of the movie <laughs> like oh i'm a nurse and they try to tie it together to be like ah they have these four traits they're like the four horsemen who have come to judge humanity and our love is so pure that's why we were chosen to make the sacrifice <laughs> and i'm ready to put my head through a wall of like swing and a miss we've dropped down like three stars right here this is what we were building to and maybe another draft or just go back to the book yeah, pretty much. I, it's, I, I did kind of want to make a joke about the four horsemen. It would be like, the Notre Dame backfield? <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> which one's the full Oh my back? god, it's... Arn Anderson's here. Arn <laughs> oh, Anderson. Shit. Oh my god. Get him, Arn! Anyway. Look, if I'm at a cabin and Ric Flair approaches me, I'm... Sacrificing I'm yourself for him? Absolutely yeah. anything he wants. Yeah, Yeah. No, we don't want him to die. He's got a good couple months left on this earth can you imagine the last thing you hear is the the life of stuffed avenue is woo <laughs> you know if i can help it that's what i'm aiming for <laughs> yeah pretty that's that's the way to go or so they say uh yeah that scene was so silly to me i i do think there was an audible ugh from me and not just because i saw my mother-in-law but rather the uh <laughs> I, I think that was a moment where i turned to alex i said Leave the cancer in me. <laughs> I got <laughs> Glad they didn't. It's, Glad to be rid of it's it. a real moment where you're like, oh, that's what we came up with? 
Don't get... Oh. That's why, why I say I keep waffling back and forth on more detail or less. Because when I get that, I'm like, don't tell me anything then. Right, yeah. Give me nothing. Yeah. Make me guess and figure it out. Leave a couple of clues and I'll piece it together. Right. And that can be a YouTube fan theory where I'm like, oh yeah, let me guess. They were dead the whole time. Jerk off motion. Don't care. Because that sucks <laughs> real bad. Yeah, I mean, because at that point, the only people who are going to call them the Four Horsemen are Reddit theorists. And, like, you could yeah, just discount like, hey, that. that's it. Or you read a sentence and go, I don't have to read this, and then you never think about it again. Right, exactly. I I, I don't know. I per- maybe it's just me. I have uh, no personal attachment to, like, you know, Reddit theories about stuff. But when you watch something like this, it, it's, it's okay to let the mind wander. You've made a good point about, like, if I don't know if they were, you know, accurate or not in their beliefs that the world would be destroyed, that is interesting for me to think about, you know? I think I would have come to the conclusion that they were accurate just because I think that's a lot more interesting than oh, yeah, if they... Because otherwise it's just coincidence. And that's just kind of... But also, maybe tease it out a bit more because... Oh, yeah. The one person dies and they turn on the TVs. Breaking news! A million people dead and you're like, okay, well, I, at home I'm, I'm assuming you're telling me the truth. Like, yeah, you know. Okay, can you make it... Can you build up to that? Do the virus one first where they can be like... Yeah, man, this has been an outbreak, like, for months. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are dying. Yeah, you know, I kind of get the impression that when I was watching it, I think that I was hoping that they were deluded, that they were wrong. Because I was like, I, I it feels like there's a lot of times where I'm watching an M. Night Shyamalan movie knowing that he is the twist guy. And I'm looking for the twist, and I'm hoping it's not what I'm expecting because then it's a bad twist. Like, the worst part of The Village was everyone knows the twist going in. Is he even really the twist guy anymore? I don't, I don't think he is anymore. He used to be. Yeah. But, uh, it's been a long time. I will say, when we were walking out of the theater, Alex asked me what the twist was, and I did the whole dramatic, that there wasn't a twist at all. <laughs> and then I looked at her like uh, like the fucking the video of the street magician. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep Jesus. going back to saying like... <laughs> families throughout history have had to make this decision it's like you can't say that because you're going to make me think about it and be like I, no because either they made the decision really quickly or there were just a bunch of mass extinction events throughout history in the timeline of this movie that we're not referencing like which one is it yeah so like Don't put these thoughts in my head and then get mad when i think about them for five seconds ago Wait, what the fuck do you mean you all met on a message board and drove out here with weapons? Like, what are you, what are you saying to me? Yeah, exactly. I think that's, you know, I think that's a fair question to ask. It's like, what were the mass extinction events before? I guess they were all narrowly avoided. Like, the fucking Kingsmen were preventing all these uh, tragedies. <laughs> it was like, you know. But it's like, surely no one got to this meeting. It's like, hi, uh, you don't know us, we don't know each other. One of you's got to kill each other. There was not a single family that was like, yeah, well, fuck Steven, and then just immediately <laughs> ganged up on him and beat him to death. Like, surely every family at least went through a minimum two of the people and saw, like, the world ending before. They're like, all right, we just, just got to kill the youngest one. Fuck it, we'll make another one. Right. So, like, there have to have been events where hundreds of thousands of people all died on the same day and then took a little nap and then more died on the next day. Yeah, which uh, it's a little detail, but it really stuck with me. Of like, damn, that was fucked up. All right, you, you guys take a little nap. 
Sorry about your concussion. We'll, we'll reconvene in the morning and figure out which of us is going to die. You know what I'm thinking of now? I, I This might be a bit of a divergence, but I was kind of thinking about uh, M. Night Shyamalan himself, who, by the way, is in this movie. Turns out that's actually him, not someone else. I uh, sure was... <laughs> I thought about you when I saw well, him. I know, yeah. I, was... <laughs> I don't know if, uh, if Alex knew about that. I told her... I don't think I told her about uh, how I confused him with a different Indian man. <laughs> not proud of that. Anyway, uh, I was thinking about him. So his, his movie before this was old, right? Uh, I keep thinking about him in terms of, or from the perspective of a parent. And I assume he's, a, I'm pretty sure he has kids now. Um, yeah. So I think he said that's why he doesn't do as many horror movies. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's tough. But like... Yeah. There's young kids in old, and I, I remember while watching this, just like, this feels like it was made by a parent, you know? Like, it, it feels like, you know, taking the kids on a vacation, oh, it's tough to corral them, you know? How do you deal with these kids? Oh, man, my six-year-old got pregnant, you know? What are you going to do? Whereas with this, uh, with Knock at the Cabin, it also feels like that, just specifically with, like, putting on, like, a kid's TV show, it's like, oh, I'll put on Bluey, and that'll be the parent for the afternoon. <laughs> I don't know if it was Bluey or for something. I've never seen Bluey, but uh, apparently people think that's good for kids or something. I hope to never find out. Yeah, that's not my idea. Uh, I I don't know. I wonder if that's going to be his thing. And I, I don't mind that at all because I think parenthood is a very tough job to do. And if it's not influencing uh, your art in some way, then maybe you're not being enough of a parent. So it's good that that's influencing in some capacity. Maybe it should influence him more. Maybe his kids would demand a better story. Oh, wait. D- damn it. I know he's a parent because that's how Lady in the Water came about. That was a story he used oh, to read to yeah. his kids. Oh, Lay my down. God. Little Miss M. Night, let me tell you about the squunts <laughs> and the Do you think snarks. he named his kids N. Night and O. Night? <laughs> N. Night and P. Night. Yeah. And guess who they'll be looking for? <laughs> You'll never get to believe it. It's my favorite thing in the world. Is the stupidest joke in the world is is naming is numbering the pigs one, two, and three, and saying the police will be looking for number four everywhere. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> uh, so we've done a lot of talking through this, and I think I've reached my verdict of like. That's pretty good. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. I'm yeah. still going to read the book, though, because that I'm glad ending sound seems way more interesting. Oh, it does, yeah. I mean, I mean, my biggest problem with the ending of the movie is that they play Boogie Shoes like 400 times. Like, oh, my God. Can I just say that that scene doesn't work? It doesn't matter what song. You, you could play any song. You could play like my favorite song of the whole wide world, but they don't have time for a Rush song. Like, It doesn't matter because turning it on and turning it off again, was anyone laughing? Was, was anyone laughing in your house? Because no one was laughing in my theater. That's not fucking funny. And that was scene was I could tell it was written to like get laughs. It didn't work. Like, at oh, one let's point. let's soften up this ending a bit here. Oh yeah, it's Hank Hill and Bobby sitting there turning off and on the farting. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much better. Damn. <laughs> oh, now I'm mad. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, I'm. Um, more positive on it than you yeah, again probably. aided by uh by the climactic uh, apocalyptic third act being on a tv and not a giant screen where you look at it and go what what happened did you send the wrong file yeah. did you send knock it cabin v 2.1 <laughs> instead of 2.4 because you, you fucked up man yeah i will but, say uh, yeah. man uh, honestly 
Because I always think of M. Night like, yeah, I like most of his movies, but as we learned recently, uh, that is no longer the case. The right, longer yeah. he's gone on, the less true that's been. Right, yeah. Probably pretty easily in the upper half, just... Because you might scoff at that at first, but you've run down that Rolodex. It's like, that's better than yeah, <laughs> a lot of these. Certainly better than Eli Roth, I'll tell you that. Look, the thing about uh, M. Night in general, and specifically with this movie, is that a lot of those movies, even when they're bad, and some of them are like ostentatiously bad, like the happening is so embarrassing. And I, I do maintain that Lady in the Water is the most embarrassing movie I've ever seen. But I remembered those movies. And I remember Signs, and I don't I don't like Signs, but I remember it, and I love Unbreakable, and I really like uh, Sixth Sense, and I, I admit I despise The Last Airbender, but I'm always going to remember it. I I don't think Old is necessarily a good movie, but I there, I'm never going to forget Old, you know? There's no, I no, will remember not, that because yeah. of its premise for exactly. the rest of my life. As soon as I saw the pregnant six-year-old, I'm like, all right, that's, that's going to stick. All right, you me. got me. Yeah. You got me, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I'll never forget Ford or Sedan or whatever. Uh, or Midsize Sedan, the, the rapper from there. Hope he's doing well. Yeah, I hope he is. He's not. I'm buying a single. Anyway. He's old. Uh, <laughs> he was on the beach. <laughs> the the thing that gets me about Knock of the Cabin, the, the chief failing flaw here, is I don't think I'm going to remember it. I Like, what is going to be... And I think this is going to be a bit of a challenge to you, like a few weeks from now, or a few months from now when this gets uploaded is try to think of what you're going to remember from this movie. What is the thing that you're going to recommend to people about this movie? And I talked about this with Gabby's boyfriend. It's like, because it's going to have to be more than, oh, Dave Bautista's pretty good at it. That was my answer. Yeah, that's what everyone <laughs> says that's, about It's going to be what people point to be like, no, he's actually really good at dramatic stuff too. You should see this. And also the first scene of Blade Runner. Yeah. Like everyone's already so done. Apparently that was what got him the role in this, was the first scene of Blade Runner. So he's good in that. He's good in the first scene of Blade Runner. Glasses. He was really good in both Guardians of the Galaxies movies, uh, for what that's worth. Which I think is a lot, because he's really good in those. And he was in, oh, he was in uh, The Man with the Iron Fist. I mean, and look, Dune. When you first Dune. make the when you make the first jump from pro wrestling to movies, yeah, <laughs> you, you don't get to be picky. <laughs> I have to admit. Well, he, to be fair, he is one of the better pro wrestlers turned actors. Uh, he's right up there with uh, Roderick Roderick Piper. I mean, made in two terms movies. of the current the current <laughs> ones, like it's he's very clearly. Oh yeah, I mean, because like, it's like you know the Rock is just slipping into doing the Rock for all his movies. Yeah. You know, you're just gonna, I mean, he's. Probably my favorite part of Glass Onion. Oh yeah, that's he wasn't Glass. He you know he was good in that. All right, never mind. Dave Bautista, the greatest actor of all time. I I don't know. I I think that my biggest thing here is you're going to say like, oh yeah, you know Dave Bautista was really good. But try this like six weeks from now. What's your favorite Dave Bautista line in this? I don't even know if you can name it now because I can't name a single line that no, he said I'm... in here. It's look there's i i don't think there's anything specific. and i have to admit like there's more to it than just saying lines a lot of this is physical acting the way that he stands in that shirt which is obviously too small for him like all shirts uh <laughs> i think the scene that i like from him that i do remember is him throwing up after the first person is killed and i understand that's not him he didn't write that scene but like it's something that you wouldn't expect from a, a man of that size and uh, a man of that uh, demeanor you know so I can tell you the scene I will definitely remember is in that opening scene where she mentions her two dads and you just see a look on his face where he realizes like 
Oh, this is going to be a bad look. Yeah. I don't know what's, I don't know what's doing a hate crime today. Oh, shit. He's going to go to the to uh, the cab and he's going to be like, all right, cell phones and baggies, guys. We can't have anyone recording this. Like, I really do think he is very good in this. The way yeah, he's he trying good. to be like a looking like the fucking golem that was like fucking made to rip you limb from limb. Yeah. Trying to be like a calming voice on the other side of the door as they're being home invaded. It's really good because yeah. you believe like you don't know these fucking people, but you believe like just listen to him. He's just trying to help. Yeah, I'm but, just just kill him. But like, I saw the trailer. I know bad things are coming, but I still believe him. Like, if you just open it, they won't have to. They won't have to break anything. It's fine. Just yeah. let the large man in. He's going to get. That was all I was right, thinking yeah. when they're like blocking the door up with a chair. I'm like, sir, <laughs> please. Now, he's going to get in there. No, let's get down to brass tacks. He says he used to coach youth basketball. Can you imagine that basketball team? Let me tell you, um, I wouldn't. I would win for that coach. I would do anything for that. Coach. You've seen his headlines. You, you don't want to. You must have a corduroy pillow, man. Let me tell you, if I'm that referee, I know which coach is getting all the calls. You imagine you like you blow a call, you look over, you see him just snap that clipboard over his knee. I'm fucking <laughs> throwing my whistle on the ground like the Undertaker retired and put his hat in the ring. Can you imagine him just getting like chest like, to chest with you? If, like he didn't even have to take off the glasses. Whatever. He touched it. It's out of bounds. It's your ball. <laughs> Can you imagine if it, you remember that like uh, that like PSA commercial? It's like, coach, I touched the ball. It's out of bounds. It's their ball. The other's like, hey, come on, man. It's a playoff. So it's like, I touched the ball. It's out. And the coach like goes to the kid. <laughs> I understand his character would do that, but I wouldn't bring it up to him. <laughs> Hey, coach, that was a bad call. <laughs> no, no, he was right. He was yeah. right. You have to make a decision. You can be honest. <laughs> or we could go to the playoffs against Central City. That's a piss poor effort of everyone. <laughs> you walk into practice the next day expecting to run suicide. And he just walks in with that big fucking rake. And just... One of you. You have to choose which one of you is going to get sacrificed to make nationals. I would recommend not choosing one of the centers. We only have two. <laughs> and now I'm thinking All about right, him. The, the time has come. Decide which of you is going to kill yourself before the pep rally. We won't do it. <laughs> the fucking assistant coach just gets a hatchet. <laughs> puts on that white mask. Unfortunately, now I'm thinking about him coaching against other fictional youth basketball coaches. One of them, uh, the coach from Hey Arnold. <laughs> Tucker, you have to make a choice. Are you going to shoot underhand or overhand? <laughs> Free throws. And now instead I'm thinking about, remember the MST short about uh, uh, what to do with a degree in industrial arts? Remember the, the coach in the, the locker room? His disciples. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking about fucking Dave Batista in that locker room telling them about like engineering. <laughs> I put a patio in the living room. <laughs> Just explaining the concept of springs yeah. to these children. <laughs> uh, it hasn't helped me much in my coaching. However, I will have a ready-made hobby. <laughs> Making giant <laughs> no-card-sized recipe boxes. <laughs> Kids, this is my best friend Coily. He's gonna explain to you what springs are. If you don't make a decision, I'm gonna put a white sack over Coily's head and decapitate him. 
This is the short the boys had to watch while the girls had to go into the gym and watch the other film. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who is ready to talk about body care and also grooming? (laughs) I don't think this even sounds like a good impression of him, but (laughs) it's such a, it's such a, just imagine like who's telling my kid to, Oh my God. I'm so sorry. sorry. I apologize. I will uh, instill more discipline in him. Or else I will. No, no, I understand. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll talk, I, I I'll like talk the it. idea of like the kids like walking out like all straight back. Like oh, I just had them watch Posture Pals. <laughs> <laughs> Remember what Bombo would sit like. What? <laughs> 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 See, that's why I talk about when I say this movie needed like more details. I want flashbacks. I want to see him interacting with a a full class of kids. I want yeah. to see him coaching them. Yeah, yeah. He even said the kids are terrible. I want to see him just fucking throwing a folding chair, ripping out a chunk of the bleachers and throwing it on the court. <laughs> I just want to know what game the ref is watching. <laughs> you're telling me that wasn't flagrant that's interesting (laughs) carrying the big weapon he has in this movie and he's just like scraping it on the fucking baseline staring daggers during a free imagine shooting a free throw you just see him staring at you holding it i'm in your head (laughs) can you imagine angel reese doing her fucking you can't see me shit while he's on the court (laughs) 400 pounds of fucking lean beef just leaning in easy out <laughs> easy out <laughs> just so you know everyone in the fucking gym is like stone cold silent brick <laughs> <laughs> fucking splits the fucking windows <laughs> He should be coaching all of their sports. Exactly. I, I want this guy coaching fucking golf. A better, a better, a better, a better. Okay, all right. So it's about six yards away. You've got the perfect putter. The green is just where is the fucking caddy? <laughs> he doesn't do a lot of yelling in this movie. I have to admit, he's not like the fucking dad from, uh, what was the, the, the Shooter McGavin dad? <laughs> the faculty. Yeah, he's not like the faculty dad. <laughs> you know? No gay guys? No Asian girl? No bluey? <laughs> Keep coming back to Blue. Imagine just coaching peewee football. (laughs) Just grabbing these kids by their pads and hurling them to the bench. I said we were in 3-4. I specifically (laughs) said we were in 3-4. You have outside contain. What did I say about showboating? Everyone get in a circle. (laughs) Hot dogging it on my field. It's not permitted. (laughs) (laughs) The referee was looking for the ball and you didn't hand it to him. You had to pick it up. Luckily, uh, much like Daddy Eric, they would all get concussions, so they would be safe from having to make that choice. You know, I I keep thinking, so apparently, uh, remember when we did The Happening, where we we looked it up and apparently he said, uh, and I think we made a joke, he's like, yeah, he says it now, but like The Happening was supposed to be like a, a 1950s B movie sort of thing. And it wasn't marketed that way or scored that way. But, or shot. Yeah, or yeah, acted yeah that way. exactly. But, like, with this, it feels like, you know, you put a little bit more humor in here, then it'd be better. And then I was thinking, 
what you gotta play boogie shoes 19 more times it'd be funny yeah jesus yeah that's not gonna work like i i kept this isn't a nice thing to say but if daddy eric had uh played the concussion a bit more humorously i <laughs> that sounds terrible to say because like we understand <laughs> that concussions lead to terrible things like junior say uh, but like uh <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> or uh <laughs> <laughs> fucking the, the guy <laughs> the chief's middle linebacker who killed himself in the parking lot oh and, god damn uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Antonio Brown and uh, Larry Johnson and uh no, I agree we should play like more comedy yeah. but uh, maybe not concussion comedy maybe so not maybe concussion like, comedy Maybe uh, they saw off his head, and then he slips on a banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they saw off his head. Turns out it's just his brains making those impact on his scalp. <laughs> <laughs> they just slip over the blood. <laughs> they keep falling over. Remember in Lady in the body. Water, where that little black kid could read the future based on the back of a cereal box. What if Wen tries to do that with his like scalp lines? And she could like read like a hidden <laughs> she's, message. She's like reading tea leaves. Yeah, on exactly. Because it was like, wait, wait. If you lead him back like this, it seems to form letters. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, well, Daddy Eric, you get your black light. Let me read the hidden <laughs> message. <laughs> These grooves are perfect for something, and I'm not going to say what. <laughs> oh, and now I have somewhere to put my quarters. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? He has like a quarter collection. He's just like lining them up. Okay, so Delaware. Rhode Island, <laughs> Maryland, Virginia. Where is West Virginia? Who took that? When? Stop eating that. Spit that out. <laughs> I'm thinking about that King of the Hill line where it was like, Bill, spit that out. He spits out a whole bunch of change. <laughs> <laughs> this episode has gone off yeah, the was, rails. Yeah, sorry. I, there's, I, I guess we ran out of stuff to say about Knock at the Cabin, uh, a movie that yeah, no one's going to talk about ever again. So, is pretty fine yeah it's, it's all right I, again i i think you you're right you probably do like this a little bit more than i did i think my main thing is if i'm going to pay money to see this in a theater so i guess that's my fault uh if i'm going to pay money to yeah see, even i didn't do that yeah either. yeah if if i'm going to pay money to see this in a theater i need something that i'm going to like at least have some memory of you know like as much as i hated and i really did hate uh transformers 5 i'm never going to forget it you know and this movie is already kind of slipping through my memory. You know, it's already... Maybe that asks a, a lot of big questions and meets it with a... Eh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe we make the choice that humanity's worth saving and then everything just fixes itself. Yeah, it, it's like, that's not... If that's what we're going to get to, maybe spend a bit more time having these discussions, not just, as we said, like, wow, my parents drove all the way out there and they left after a half hour because they're uncomfortable with us being gay. Yeah. Maybe everyone should die. Yeah, it felt predictable to me at a certain—I don't know—at certain points. I—I I think I was like nodding there and being like, "Yep, yep, that's exactly how I like, saw it coming." And I felt like my dad watching movies. Oh, that's exactly how I would do it. Yeah, like really lean into it being like a chamber drama where you don't know if they're crazy and you just keep hearing things and getting wilder outside. A chamber thing. drama? You just—what is a chamber? You drama? like that? You, you like that? What is a chamber I'm drama? You be, are you wearing a tie? Uh, Sounds like... You can't see me, right? Yeah. <laughs> can't see the tie either. <laughs> but like, really just lean into it, and like, you don't know if these people are telling the truth or not. And then once you start hearing planes falling from the fucking sky, it's like, 
okay, something yeah, serious. Not just turning on the yeah. three different instances of turning on the news and like, oh, we interrupt with this breaking story. Seven hundred planes fell at the same time. Like, yeah, just now. You know, the I, other thing is like, I, okay. I know we are kind of like petering out here, but I bring this up here: the cameo of uh, M Night Shyamalan was to me a problem for a couple of reasons. Not just because it's distracting, because it's more than a cameo. It almost feels like a fucking supporting role how long he's on screen. But it felt like it was trying to be cute. Remember when we watched Glass and they had that uh they, they had M. Night Shyamalan. They brought him back from uh, Unbreakable, right? Now M. Night Shyamalan yeah, was in Unbreakable in it wasn't like blink and you miss it, but it was a small role and it was a useful role. It it Further the plot in some way, it's like this is a way to confirm that he has these powers, right? And they bring him back in glass, and he basically restates his character from the first movie. He's like, "Oh, I remember you," and it really turned my life around. Are you said, "I was like that." It's playing too cute, you know. Same sort of thing in here. It's just like, "Oh, they brought me back for this stupid bullshit that sucks," and he shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have been in this movie in that cameo role and i understand that like you're self-financing you could do with your movie what you like but if you if you do with your movie what you like then i'm going to do with your movie what i like i'm going to say it the, the way that i want you're going to put it out there for public consumption and you don't have anyone to blame for yourself you can't say oh the studio made me you know put myself in here because that's not what happened uh and the other thing is i hate to say it look man you are no alfred hitchcock okay I support directors. Putting He's probably a better person than Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, like, more directors should cameo in their stuff. Yeah, I but like that. But stop no, having lines. I'm I'm sick of it. Yeah. Well, some. I mean, some director. I mean, I, I like uh, when Quentin Tarantino has his stuff. You know, that's fine by I, me. I, I guess when you're self-funding your movie, it's like you know what you, you can have your two lines, whatever, man. Yeah. You you shelled out the forty million. Fuck me. Yeah. What do I know? Right. All right. Well, I guess it ends our discussion on Canuck at the cabin. We have petered out yeah. and run out of funny jobs for uh, Batista to have with these kids. So I think that's the end of that. Yeah, I'm going to think about him as a wrestling coach now. Uh, I feel like that's going to dominate your entire weekend. Ref, you have to understand. He he maintained control the entire time. Ref, ref. All right, bring the tape. Bring the tape. Come on. No, we are stopping. I don't us. mean to raise my voice, but I swear to fucking God. <laughs> okay. You know, it's funny. Again, we're not really doing a good impression of him. He's, he's very calm throughout the movie, and that's what makes it so good, you know? But, like, yes. but that, that being said, imagine that guy on a basketball court, you know? <laughs> he's calm up to and including when he slits his own throat yeah. and tells him, like, all right, well, you'll have, like, five minutes to make your choice. Peace out. Please make a good one, guys. I really hope you don't uh, biff this, because uh, a lot of people are going to die. Well, anyway, see ya. Yeah. yeah. Is it... Wait, so maybe the reason he's fighting to say... Like, you know, that one woman, she's like the mother, uh, and she's just like, oh, I really love my child, and I guess Rupert Grint is doing it for his redemption or something like that. Whereas I think uh, I think Dave Bautista is doing it just because he really likes that youth basketball team. They must be really good. Gotta save these kids. Like, I gotta save these kids. Alright, we can stop recording. <laughs> yeah, I need to stop. This is too much. <laughs> and that's the tea, sis.